Welcome back to BWO, where we are here with my brother Zeb and Chris, and we have an exciting guest on this week. We let you all know, and she is here, Bianca Cronkham. I get that right, ma'am? Yes, you did. Oh, man. Good, good. I swore I was going to screw that up, but I got it right. <laughs> so welcome. She is, uh, you are a House of Representative or running for the House of representatives for Kentucky, right? District nine. Correct. Correct. Yes. So yes, we are very excited. I mean, you are our biggest guest by far, just to let you know. Ah. So, yes. <laughs> so welcome, welcome. And we are going to dive right in. And we want Thank you to you speak about your, Oh, it's a pleasure. So we want you to speak about yourself a little bit, how you got into politics, I get how you started. You know, a little bit about yourself. Let everybody know. Well, I will tell you, um, thank you all. Thank you, gentlemen, for having me today. Uh, I will say that um, I am an educator, first and foremost. Um, been married to my husband, Elliot, for 26 years, uh, three years dating. I count those years. So next year, there should be a nice gift for 30 years. My wife does the same thing. <laughs> I, those are invested yeah, years. Yeah, yeah, yeah um, you're right. And so, um, so we have an older son that lives in Brooklyn, New York, and um, and he is doing very well. Um, Allstate agent, and then we have a younger son who is a chef, um, and he uh, will be 20 later this month. Um, we have a dog. We live in Kentucky, rural Kentucky, uh, part of the Pinaral, and um, born in Florida, raised in Kentucky, went back to Florida, came back to Kentucky, built a home here um, after my husband retired. And, um, you know, my careers have ranged from financial banker to uh, um, I went from that to massage therapy. Uh, I'm a licensed therapist, uh, licensed esthetician. And when I knew I was coming back to Kentucky, I went back to school, finished my degree at Florida Atlantic University in Boca Raton, Florida, um, and then um, taught two years in uh, Palm Beach County schools um, in West Palm Beach. And then we moved back to Kentucky. Um, you, you know, you know your areas where you're moving, you, you prepare for those. And I knew that I was moving back to the Bible Belt where I grew up. And I, I understood some things. That's one thing I didn't mm -hmm. understand for sure, but it's not too many people going to let me rub oil on them. So I knew yeah. <laughs> if I wasn't doing hair and nails that I was going to probably go broke. So I finished mm -hmm. my degree. I've always wanted to be a teacher, but um, decided to um, finish that degree so that I could go back and I could make an impact and, and, and help students. I've always enjoyed students. Um, and um, it was an opportunity for me to do it. Been doing it there or here in Kentucky for the past 11 years, 10 years at a local high school. Last year at the, uh, the board office, um, our Christian County uh, board office. And um, over the um, COVID break, if you will, um, I did uh, step away a little bit just to take a little sabbatical to kind of look at my next things, what I wanted to do, how I wanted to invest in the future and in people and um, read some um, books and just try to, you know, really find where I wanted to do. Um, one of the next 50 years to be as impactful as the last um, 50. I was getting ready to turn 50. So and then, um, you know, I decided to to run because, you know, I wanted us to have better representation in Frankfurt. And so, um, you know, the biggest part of 
why I wanted to run was young people. Um, I've taught high school uh, language arts, AP language for, you know, the all these years that I've been teaching a total of 13 years. And, um, you know, one thing about young people, they are resilient and they're smart and they're fearless. And, you know, they need advocates. And I've always enjoyed being with them. And I wanted to be able to extend some things that are offered for them at the state level. Wanted to definitely help our small farmers here. Uh, farming is what we are here in Kentucky, especially here uh-huh. in Christian County. And um, help with the workforce. So that was that was how I got into uh, deciding that I wanted to run um, for a seat. And I actually looked up, what is a state representative? What do they do? Well, a state representative is a person who... Um, listens to their constituents and then they go to Frankfurt and then they echo those same sentiments to other legislators. And then they build relationships and they compromise and they argue and they and they push and they pull until they're able to slip some things into the bills that will benefit their district. And um and so I'm hoping to be able to do that. Um, I've always been able to build relationships with people. Um, and with our house being predominantly Republican, I have no problems working with Republicans because at the end of the day, we all want the same thing. We want to be happy. We want to be safe. We want a quality of life. So no matter your party, you know, that's what we all want. Yeah. What? Man, that was a mouthful right there. <laughs> but that's yes. awesome. Yeah, I, hey, I asked. <laughs> so, go ahead, Sam. You, you communicate with the with the state senators and like state state representatives, House of Representatives. There are two different houses. So, for example, um, you have the House, and then you have the Senate. Sort of like in Congress, you have representatives, and then you have Senate. And so the mm-hmm. House. You know, uh, bills or or laws or uh, things are amended there, and then they go through the house. Uh, they go through the committees, and they are brought to the floor, and then that bill is generally moved on to the, the that state senate. Um, so it kind of operates the same way as Congress. Does that make? Did I say? That? Does that make sense? Oh yeah, yeah, it makes yeah. sense. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Yep. So another question I have is. Um, what what are some of the issues in your district that you're trying to tackle? Um, first and foremost, um, helping out our small farmers. Uh, I, I want to tell you all a few things about our area so that you get a really under, a good understanding about mm-hmm. um, Christian County. So uh, in Christian County in 2021, I'm going to read off this paper because I don't want to get these numbers wrong. Um, mm-hmm. The. Uh, the, the number of farms in the United States in 2021 was estimated at 2.012 million total land in farms was listed at 895.3 million acres. So here's for Kentucky. Total land in, in farms in Kentucky in 2021 was 12.9 million acres. Man. That's a lot. Yeah. Okay. You got me? You with me? Okay. Yeah, we're, we're with here, you. Yep. Here it is. Here it is. In 2021, Christian County, this district that I will be representing, mm-hmm. farmers ranked number one in winter wheat production with um, 5,330,000 bushels, number one in corn production with 16,308,000 bushels, and then and number three in soybean production with 4,562,000 bushels. Farming is who we are. Number one in the state. Yeah. This county is wow. for production. So not just Kentucky is farming, Tennessee, you know, you got Illinois, you got all of these different states around us that do that as well. Mm-hmm. But for Kentucky, we are number one in, in most of these areas. And so, because farming is our foundation, it is it is who we are. Um, I believe that we need to do a better job of taking care of our small farmers. They they incur a lot of costs 
Um, I talked to a farmer recently and he said, you know, our, our costs come from our seeds because they have to be um, cultivated. They have to be modified. They have to, because they have to be able to grow and to do all the things that needs to do. They can't let the you know, pesticides and different things eat them up or the, uh, uh, the insects the, the and all crows. that. Right. <laughs> right. Hey, I, so I used in to, order to do that, it has to, be, it has to be cultivated. So the cost of that seed is expensive. Mm-hmm. So looking for ways to help them, the farmers, and um, because I am an educator, because I believe the best people in the world are educators, because I am one, yeah. changing <laughs> the structure of the salary for teachers. And so not just giving them a raise. So here in Kentucky, since I've been here, and and I, I will tell you, I came here because and started teaching here because I could have taught in Tennessee because Tennessee is only 15 minutes down the road. We're like right on the border right there. Mm-hmm. and um, Kentucky's retirement was the best. You know, teachers would teach for 30, 40 years and their retirement was matched to none. I mean, it was an excellent pension retirement plan for teachers. People came here for that. I came here for that. And over the years, things have changed. And because of the cost of living and because of all of the different things with our economy, the salary has not followed like like it, it should have. And so I'm hoping to be able to help change that and, and actually talking with other legislators, because uh, even though I'm sure many of them have backgrounds in education, but some of them probably were teachers at some point, um, mm-hmm. not recently. Yeah. <laughs> and so I can bring a different perspective to the table because I am doing just that. Mm hmm. Yep. I mean, we've talked about that too, how teachers just, they're not getting the pay they should. I mean, that's a big issue in our city right now, Winchester, you know, bus drivers and teachers basically going on strike, wanting more money. And that's a big issue. Teachers have always been highly underpaid. Yeah. My personal opinion, and and they deserve way more money, what they're getting. And and they do, they do because of the amount of effort it takes to really reach a student and help them to master content. It is not as mm-hmm. easy as you think, you know, you, these lessons, they just kind of poof, come out of thin air. Um, teachers have to, um, they have to look at their, their students. They have to look at where they are, where they need them to go. And then they have to di- differentiate. So if this student needs this because he's on this level, he's in the high school, but he's on a ninth grade reading level. I got to be able to move him still. Then I also have to move this GT student who is gifted, who is also in that same classroom. Guess what? I have to meet his need too, because he's going to be bored if I'm focusing on this student. (laughs) And so Mm -hmm. a teacher, a good teacher is going to be able, is going to spend hours upon hours on one lesson, you know? And so because Mm -hmm. of that, um, when new teachers come out of fresh out of college, um, and they're making less than forty thousand a year, and they have to have part-time jobs. That's a problem. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It is. I think that's, that's the huge. biggest problem. One of the biggest problems in this entire nation is education. Teachers are always underpaid. They're some of the most important people and occupations we have as people. I would also say there's a lot of things I've always had big on my mind with education, as even people that come straight out of college. So. As students and as teachers, there's a big curriculum most of the time that people are handed. And in some cases, it's definitely needed. But in some cases, I feel like a lot of things that we're, we're being taught and it's not what we should be taught comparable as to part of the survival for life and money and bills. And, and I don't think none of that's really taught. Even the truth of history and who we are as people, where we come from. with slavery and so much stuff like it's not taught and a lot of teachers I don't think I think they're afraid to be them and try to open up and have students relate more to what what life is now and what we've learned over the past from what we go through as we weren't taught a lot of things that would have been very beneficial as young adults and young people before we even get out of high school Mm -hmm. and are you interested or um, would you be willing to try to help change that kind of case of how schools are taught teachers are taught and the freedoms they're given to try to you know it's it's 2022 and i feel like we should not be learning the same things that we were learning in the 60s and the 20s or whatever 
Mm-hmm. Not not that we shouldn't learn some of it, but I think times have changed the way we're we're smarter now as a as a general people. But why can't we teach this to kids when we know that's what we should be teaching them? Yes, and I think that uh, that's a good point. I think um, when you allow teachers to be able to teach content that students need for them to be successful, then I think that um, teacher uh, that students will soar. And, you know, I can't tell you that there's a certain group or there's a certain curriculum that is perfect. And, 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 and we can teach kids this and they'll be able to go out in the world and be college and career ready. There is no such curriculum. You know, just as the material has evolved since 1970 or 1960 or whenever they adopted these textbooks, it has evolved and changed. It's important. And there are a lot of those things they should know and should be able to do and be able to reason. There are some things in history that they need to know. And there are some things that all they have to do is pull up their cell phone and it is there. The information is there. And so I think that if we if we focus on what the student is good at and have those programs available, I think that students would really enjoy school. You know, if a student can't read well and we put them in a position where they have to, you know, read out loud and all of those, you know, you get behavior issues because when a student can't do something, they're going to act up so that they don't have to do that thing that you want them to do. But you have to be able to build that relationship as an instructor teacher. And that falls on the teacher. It does not fall on the student, you know. It's the teacher's job to build that relationship, to build that trust. And sometimes it takes all year for that kid to trust me. You know, there are some students, they see my name on their schedule and they're like, dear God, I don't even want her. Feline to guidance, get my schedule changed. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to do it. You don't understand. The struggle is truly real. I'm serious. And, and, and the reality is, is that because I have had high expectations and educators do, we have to hold the bar high for students. And so I think that we can't miss the fact that every teacher is not going to be, but that teacher may teach that student soft skills that they need that they don't learn at home on how to, you know, talk to someone and to be respectful and, and the things that you need on a job. You know, teachers teach more than content. They do. The good ones. But yes. we all have our favorites that we yes. remember and for the reasons why. And most of it's yes. not because yeah. of what we learned from the textbook. It's what we learned from that yeah. individual that helped build it's, us up. Exactly. And when yeah. and when you have teachers that invest in students like that, that leave the those good marks, then we can go further than that. But I mean, that's nothing that we can solve with curriculum. So we, no, I don't care what the curriculum is. You know, you can come up with all these critical race theories and all these different things until you focus on the student, what that student needs for them to be successful in the world. Then we're, we're going to keep losing this battle. We're, we're basically fighting against each other, against the biases that we, that we all have. And we're not focused on the student. So, so would you agree at all that test taking is not the honest answer to finding out how smart children are? Not that I'm, it doesn't show some truths, but some kids are really not good at test taking or being there for so long, but they're very intelligent. I, I agree with you on that. Yes. And that's why they have different types of schools. They have, you know, Montessori schools and they've got all these different types of schools. And I think that it is it is up to the parent. And even though a lot of students don't have good parents to be able to tap into what is good for their child, I will tell you, I use my children as an example. Um, that, that's why I'm not mentioning their names. <laughs> but <laughs> our oldest son, <laughs> our oldest son. Don't call him out to, like that. Went to private school and he went to, and he was at a, uh, a very affluent um, day school. And he had all of this exposure to, all of these different things, um, and very bright, very smart, can articulate, you know, 
And then we had our other son, two different humans. Then our, our youngest son, you know, he knew at seven years old, he wanted to be a chef. So I've got mm-hmm. one college man and I've got one that wants to be a chef. Well, you don't have to go to college <laughs> to be a chef. You don't have to go to school at all, actually. Um, Which and- is very true, too. And we don't talk about that enough because we've, sorry to cut you off, but we try to force kids to go to college or you're not successful. And I think that's wrong because most of the, some of the most successful people currently in this world didn't go to school. And if they did, they dropped out. Yeah. 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 And and I think that because, you know, again, as a society, we have put students in a box and they have to do this. You have to leave high school. You go straight to college. You, you do four years, then you do your master's and you meet the love of your life. You get married, you have two plus one child. And then you, you know, you go vacations twice a year, (laughs) you know, maybe you have have the 401k, you put aside their college fund and you do this society, society tells us to do that. And we buy into that, but you know, plumbers, mechanics, people that fix things, computer software, programmers and all of those people many of them were gifted with that like they naturally were born to do that mm-hmm. and and they yes. they run circles around i have students who graduate from high school with a welding certificate and can get a job off the coast of louisiana making more than i was making at the time oh yeah <laughs> yeah gifted. that's what i was I'm, gonna say I'm not joking and so i tell students whatever it is you want to do you, you focus on doing those things. And then if you try that and you don't like it, guess what? You can do something else. Mm-hmm. You don't have yeah, to I mean, do this. But you do have to do something. You yeah. do need to be a productive citizen. You do need to do something. Yeah, you're right. right. I mean, like you say, we're talk- what we're talking about is like a trade, a trade school or something. That needs to be brought more in schools because I think what our local school got away from it for a while. Yeah, it the trade, you know, teaching the trade, like you said, welding, plumbing, electricians, mechanics, and a lot of kids love doing that. Like my son, my oldest, loves to cook himself. He might be a chef. I don't know. <laughs> you know, my other one, my middle child, likes to work with his hands. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing, and I agree with everything everybody's saying. Is I feel once kids get to high school, the curriculum is, I mean, just start doing stuff like that. See what they're interested in. And kids, to me, would want to go to school more. Like, why? I don't see why, honestly, in my opinion, why we have to take English for four years, our own language. Why do you have to take English for four years? <laughs> it's, to me, it's monotonous. And right? I understand I mean, does why everybody agree with that? It. Like, it's. But it's mono- like, why? Why do we do basically you just read, you know, book like and, and reading is extremely important. Read. I don't think Hamlet was so well, I know for that, us, but but well, as a as a as a certified English teacher, I'll tell you why. <laughs> well, that's great. We love I it. mean, I don't. I don't. <laughs> Let me tell you why, my dear friend. Um, well, the reason why it is important is because by the time you get to high school you have barely enough reading uh, vocabulary to to work in a, the business level. You can do your basic things. Mm-hmm. Um, you can read basic contracts. You can read basic things. But in order to, even if you're going to school to be a mechanic, <laughs> you still have to read at a higher level to be able to understand the, to understand the terms and all of those things. And so that basic <laughs> reading is important. Because as ninth grade goes, you build vocabulary. Then you learn how to read implied text and those that are implicit and, and explicit and all those things. That is important because that is where those um, students who are computer programmers, they, they need that. Everybody needs it. And you can tell a difference between a person who reads on a um you know, they're a college graduate, but they read on a very low level. You can tell by their writing or their typing, you know, what have you. Now, back to what CT was saying, is Hamlet important that we have to, folk, you know, have kids read Hamlet? No, not necessarily. <laughs> no. Um, but I will tell you, there are some things about writing that plays and things like that that are important because they teach um, themes. They teach things and it shows the human condition. And so, 
Hamlet in any um, piece of literature is used to be able to teach a lesson in a sense. You remember Aesop's fables when, you know, there were these little stories and the person learned something at the end. It's, it's similar to that. They just, we just, the, the, the English curriculum generally uses Shakespeare and some other people um, from a million years ago to be able to teach those things because they're classics. But do they have to be taught? No. We Now, teachers in many districts, I know I've been able to have the autonomy to do this, to be able to pr- bring in more modern uh, pieces, more modern art, you know, types of literature to be able to reach students so that they're not bored out of their minds. Yeah. Did you have the same same right. problem that I did? And I'm sure probably Tony and Zeb and so many others did. When I had to read certain criteria in high school, I would read it. And not know what I read. But when I was able to choose what I was interested in and was excited to do book yep. reports research on, I would lo- I would want to buy the book or get it again or find mm-hmm. similar books because yeah. I was so into it. But yeah, a lot of my point. Like we have books just it does help us with reading and understanding language, but I think it would be more beneficial to young children if they were able to choose something that would interest yeah. them. And in many schools across the country, they do give students a choice. When they get to high school, they do limit their choice. They do have choices, but they are li- there are certain things that need that should be covered that's in the curriculum that they want to cover. And then sometimes they replace those things. Um, you know, it it will it, you know, it's never going to be perfect, but um it will help teachers to be able to get students to mastery because many times, even if the student doesn't enjoy it. Um, we can still prove that that student learned that skill through that text. Um, and so there's a lot of work that can be done with that. Um, but in, in a nutshell, it is definitely necessary. Uh, I'm not saying every kid has to go to school. I do think that we need to focus on what the kid likes. I mean, if if the girls that braid my hair get $160 to do my hair. They don't need to go to school. <laughs> Well, not regular school. My, my wife just did that the other day. There was, well, she there spent was, about 200 probably. She, probably. I don't know. She just spent. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. I mean, but it's an art and it's a skill and it's a trade. It's a trade. Yeah. You know? Like so. farming and farming is not like I wouldn't want to do it because I didn't grow up like that. And mm-hmm. I know it's not easy, but it's very necessary. Like I understand the farm to table concept. So oh, yeah. not switching subjects totally, but because you have such a, a wide knowledge and you're intelligent, you have the history of certain things and farming is the biggest thing in your state. One thing that's always bothered me. So when it even comes to education and how there's not always good parenting, but a lot of things that are started from the system is designed certain ways. And a lot of people don't understand it. It is true. Every time we're in a grocery store or a convenience store or whatever, the only thing that most of us see are snacks, chips, candy. So those oranges, those apples, potatoes, it's not up there. And if it is, it's extremely expensive. So when you're trying to raise a family, it's hard to feed them when you're to be healthier when it costs so much for one meal. And obviously McDonald's has a dollar menu and this and that, and that, and that's what they do it on purpose. Mm-hmm. Is there any way you would be, or, or are you trying to be like, there, we need to make some of these changes because we're just not going to get healthier as a society for the people that don't have the, the luxuries to afford that, that expensive food that's really good for us? Um, thank you for that question or that uh, that comment. Um, I will be honest with you. I, I haven't thought about it on that level in terms of what is offered in, in um, more progressive cities, uh, like, like where you are there in Brooklyn. Um, here, you know, we have the Amish farmers all around. We have, you know, our small farmers, our big farmers and getting fresh produce and vegetables and things like that are very easy. Um, and so you you can go anywhere and get it and it's not expensive. And so, you know, that that there should be something that we can do to be able to help um, areas so that they have access to more of those things. And I will think, and this brought, just came to me, when we were in the pandemic and remember how they had on the news where uh, farmers were, were pouring out milk 
and they were throwing away things that they could not ship because uh, people weren't buying it and, mm-hmm. and all this. And so I think that we there there could be a think tank created to be able to um, divert some of those resources that are plentiful to areas that need it. And so that they can access it. Um, you know, I've, I've read about food deserts and, you know, places that don't have, um, you know, um, those crops, you know, like uh, vegetables and, and fruit and stuff like that available to them. And so I think that um, here in America, I think we can do a better job with that to be able to have those accessible for, for students and for, for families. Um, I think the food banks, I will tell you this, um, the food banks are doing a, a really good job of tapping into some of that um, now that the economy is raging and, and people are struggling right now. And now they're able to get a lot more of those things and they've tapped into some of the smaller farms and different areas to be able to get some of that, that pro, you know, that product out into more mm-hmm. urban areas. So I think that that could be a, a great opportunity to be able to help. Um, and, and, and it's a good opportunity to help students too. I mean, I know that there are a lot of successful, um, raised gardens and different things throughout cities that people take, take advantage of. Um, and it, 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 it makes the students healthier. Um, it, it exposes them to a better quality of life, um, giving them these varieties, but, um, you know, in the grand scheme of things, you know, it is it is about location, location, location. <laughs> it <Yeah>. is. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I will tell you, mm-hmm. I we th- we feel our best in the summer, um, in the spring and summer months, because we can get fresh vegetables and you name it right here, right down the street. I mean, I have a garden in my backyard. I didn't grow one this year because I'm busy, but um, but I do. I make jelly. I grow things because I mean I have the space to do it too, and uh-huh. you don't need a you don't need a degree for that. You just need to plant a seed, no. <laughs> you know. No. So no. I I agree with you, CT. We do we do need to do better with that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I have another question. What What do you see as your biggest challenge running for District Nine? I think so. That's a good one. Um, (laughs) I think researching and understanding um, the laws. Um, You know, many lawmakers have uh, law degrees. They're former attorneys or attorneys. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think understanding the laws, understanding um, our state's constitution well. um, I think that is um, an area that I'm going to have to improve upon. Um, to really understand what what's already on the books and um, mm. you know what we can amend, um, I think those are going to be my my biggest challenges. And I'm I'm already starting to do that, um, and I know that that takes time, but uh, I think that will be it. Um, building relationships won't. Um, you know, I I you know I'm not fearful because you know I'm African American and you know there's only three African American females in the whole house. Um, that doesn't bother me. It doesn't bother me that I'm a female um, at all. And so that is easy for me. Just, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think learning what I need to learn and researching, I think that will be the biggest challenge because you, you want to, you want other legislators to know that you are knowledgeable and not just a teacher, if you will. That makes perfect sense. I'm going to let the fellas Uh talk with you, but I only have one name. So I'm glad you said what you just said. You guys know Brianna Taylor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I saw her mother in real life speak, but that's not a highlight of my life because I shouldn't have seen her because that situation shouldn't have not occurred. And it happened right there in Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. You're Agreed. Right. So, yeah. And uh, I mean, that's awesome. So then I guess I'll add to that. So uh, I guess you pretty much kind of said your strengths. So what do you feel are your strengths? Just build a relationship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You pretty building much touched on it. <laughs> yeah. Building relationships. I want mm-hmm. to be able to c- 
continue to do that. And I want to be able to make things happen. They say that your first year in legislation, when you, when you, if you're elected in, um, most of the time you don't get many things passed. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to be a part of that statistic. I want to do as much as I can for my district both years that I'm there. Um, so I don't mind compromising, building relationships with people. Awesome. And then also, I, I had a couple, I'm not sure if Zeb has any, but I have a couple more questions because I want to, these are like what's important to me. So I just wanted to know what your stance is on them. Okay. okay. So what is your stance on health care? Well, my I, I believe that everybody oh, should have believe, access yeah. to quality health care. Um, as a young person, I didn't have insurance before I got my first for real job. And so mm-hmm. um, I had to do without a lot of things. And I had to kind of medicate, you know, and, and take care of myself. And I think a lot of people are still in that, that are going to work every day. And they don't have access to quality health care. So that is very important. Yeah. I think everybody should have it. And I think that, you know, even people who, um, you know, have Medicaid, I think that system could be even better to get better quality doctors. You know, they're limited on where they can go, you know, the, the services they can, you know, get. And I think that uh, as a society, we can do a better job with that. So I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah. So free health care is what you're saying? Like me? I don't know if it should be free. <laughs> Universal, well, universal health care. Yes, that like, yes, that, I yeah. do. I do universal think that we should. Yeah, yeah, I do think mm-hmm. we should have health care for everybody. Um, you know, we can't have everything free. Um, yeah. but I do yeah. think that everybody should have access to it. Man, I love you more and more now. All right, we're on the same page. So, <laughs> all right, so education. You touch on this a lot. So, what do you feel about free education as well? I know free but how about that because we touched on college and everything because i feel my stance is you should not have to pay to go to college student loans you know because that's just ridiculous we talk about you know you have a degree you're probably Mm -hmm. still paying your student loans i'm guessing and everything else you know probably until the day you die and i feel if we want everybody to have an education why not be free well, here's the thing. I I think that um, to a certain extent, yes, in many states, including Kentucky, so hats off to Kentucky, they do offer um, two-year uh, community college. I know in my area they do. Really? Um, and I think for the, yeah, for the state. So the Rotary, uh, which is a local organization here, Rotarians, they offer scholarships for students to go to mm. the community college for two years for free. Um, There are things that the student must qualify to do. They have to have not, you know, like a certain percentage of absenteeism, you know, like 95, 96% for their whole high school career. Okay. Um, They need to have um, at least a 2.0 average, which is a C average to be able to do, to take um, those classes. And then um, there's a couple other stipulations that I don't have in front of me, but um, they do make that available for students and they'd be able, they're able to go tuition free. And so I think that I like that that schools offer that. But yeah, I will yeah. tell you, there is a lot of money as a high school 11th grade teacher. And I help. That's what I did. I help students find money. Um, mm-hmm. Scholarships all over the world. You've got the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. You've got all of these um, companies that give out free scholarships and reoccurring scholarships that is renewable. Once if that student maintains that GPA. And so guess what? As the student has a part to play just like anybody else. And so I don't think necessarily that all of the college should be free because sometimes we can take advantage of things that are free. You know, mm. we don't oh, we may not put forth all of yeah. our effort because it's free. And we don't have to pay for it. It's almost like going to the soda machine and getting free refills. You know, you get them and you just keep you know, with you, you just keep doing because it it's free. <laughs> you know, and so yeah. I think that there's nothing wrong with with the student investing now. And when it comes to student loans, I I'm not a student loan person. You know, we we try to steer our kids from you know making the grade, seeking the scholarships, and those type of things, so they didn't have to have student loans. They could come out debt free. And so, um, you know, we were partially successful in that. Um, but 
as a parent, I helped them to find scholarships and they wrote essays and did all the things that they did not want to do so that they could get money for school. And so, um, but I will tell you as a person who did have to get student loans, um, I, I was able to get some free grants through the, the government um, that I didn't have to pay back, but there was a good chunk of my education that I did have to pay for. Um, and I owe less than $1,600 and my master's degree is paid for. Focus and determination is what yeah. that is called. There, um, there you go. And, and no, understanding that I'm not going to just pay the minimum. So that's a different um, broadcast, a podcast. I love doing that. Yeah. <laughs> but um, as, a, you know, going into, you know, my midlife, I wanted to be, you know, not have those loans and get those things paid off. And so I don't, I think that the loans um, should be better for students, especially when they're, you know, getting multiple degrees. I think that that industry is making too much money off of our kids um, and the fees are too absorbent. And I think that they should be adjusted. Um, but uh, I do think that um, you that there's a cost for everything. And I think that the students or parents should bear some of the cost, not all of it, but some of the cost. Because then guess what? When they walk across that stage and they say, Chris, Tucker and he goes and he's waving and grinning and the tears are strolling down his face. Guess what? He's so excited because he knows he's putting in the work, the work and paid for that. And it means yeah. so much more when you have to grind and grit and get down in the mud to do something that you really want to do. It's worth it. Like I look at my master's degree, it's worth it. My undergrad, it was worth it. You know, I didn't have parents, to, my parents to pay for it. I had to pay for it. And it means something to me. Yeah. So I think that at some point we have to stop coddling generation after generation. If you look at our baby yeah. boomers and some of our older generations who were the backbone and the grit of our American society, they, they had that work ethic and they yeah. stayed on jobs and they, you know, they really supported and they did all of those things and they, and they took care of their families. I think we get back to some of those, those that ideology in, in, a, in a small sense, I think we would be better off. Yeah, that's, that's a great that's point. Kind of the, well, that, that's kind of the ideology that built this country, because I can see like each generation kind of having less and less of a work ethic. And it bothers me now because I have kids and I look at them. I don't want them to be like that. I, I want them to give it 100 percent for everything they do. And you have to be able to. Uh, I think it's okay. And I think that, and I'm going to use this as an example, no matter your background, every group has struggled. Native Americans, Caucasians, African-Americans, Hispanics, Asians, everybody, everybody has had some sort of struggle to mm -hmm. be able to move to the next level. And what mm -hmm. do we want? We want better for our kids. We want to give them what we didn't have. It doesn't mean that they need all of those things. And so as parents, we have to know how to give and how to withhold from them. Just because we can, that doesn't mean we necessarily have to. And so we you want to cultivate a, a, a child that can that doesn't mind working and, and doing all those things so that they can be successful. You know, when we teach our kids the easy way, and unfortunately it's the parents that teach them the easy way, all you gotta do is this, all you gotta do is swindle it, do it this way and, and beat the system that way. Uh, but when we don't teach our kids that. From from two and three years old and all the way up, how to work for the and how to earn things. We've 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 missed that. We all of us have missed teaching our kids how to earn things. When they have to earn something, it means something to them. It Absolutely. Yeah. I've taken and, I've taken for granted many things if somebody just handed me or give gave me something because I didn't appreciate it and have a true meaning and and just a, like I said, a grand appreciation for something. And I don't want to get off topic real quick, but I know we have certain time constraints, but we didn't let or allow Zeb. He has definitely has a few questions and one big one that I know he wanted to ask you. Sure. So I would definitely like Zeb to be able to do that. Okay. Okay. Why, why vote for you as opposed to the other candidates? Because I am willing to work hard, listen to constituents. Um, the legislators only spend 30 days in Frankfurt, one year and 60 days the next year. 
and I will be living and working right alongside them. And I want to hear what they have to say. And I want to do something about it. I, I don't want to just hear it and then say, okay, I got it. But I want to put that into action. And I think that with my experience, um, with my ability to build relationships, this person has been um, in that seat for a number of years um, and not a lot to show for it. I think that I can go in and help make some changes. I don't think that uh, there's one person who knows it all. Um, and I know that there are things that I can um, that I can learn. But I know I bring a lot of um, good things to the table. Um, and I think I can um, be able to do and help not just for my district, because, you know, you vote on bills for the entire state and, and help mm-hmm. other uh, in other districts as well. So I, I think that they should vote for me because, you know, I'm relentless. I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to stop until I help those that voted for me, um, you know, get some of the things that they need. I, I'm not going to be able to do everything, but I'm going to do all that I can to make sure that they get some of those things. You have another one? Um, I, you know, Virginia, Virginia is a Commonwealth state and Kentucky is a Commonwealth state. Does, what does that mean? Cause I don't know. I, I mean, I could look it up, but I just thought about that. Okay. <laughs> there are certain things and different laws that make us commonwealth. Um, and I don't know all of the different things to be able to really explain it. The we're, just we the out, we're just the outcasts of yeah. the United States is what we are. <laughs> yeah. But well, we're, all be like that. I've read into it. We're supposed to all be like that because it kind of means yeah. what, what the word says. We're supposed to have one commonwealth for mm. the people. And that's yeah. not what. <laughs> yeah. Well, there are some things that, you know, that are on the books in, in, in a commonwealth that benefit the people that live there. Uh, there are certain benefits. I can't speak on those things because I don't know all of those things. Why it make you know why commonwealths are so much different than let's just say Florida. Um, so I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> all, right. all right, do your research now. That's what they. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> that was a good. That was a good question. <laughs> Man, we stumped the wrong one. Yeah. <laughs> Tony Zeb, any other big questions for you guys? Uh, okay. I have, all right. A couple more I have. All right. Um, big topic, abortion, the huge one in the news, you know, Roe versus Wade. So what are your thoughts being a woman, a strong black woman on that right now? I um, believe that I want, it should be a woman's right. Absolutely. Fair and simple. That's it. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, as 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 a as a woman, um, I will tell you that um, uh, I wanted uh, my children. I wanted to have children, and I probably would have had more if I was if I if I could have. Um, and I believe in the sanctity of life, but I do believe that, unfortunately, there are things that are going to occur to us that are going to occur to women that they did not sign up for. And um, I think it, I think it is their right. I think it's um, their choice. And I think that is between them and our Lord. That's what I, you know, that's what I think if I, I don't have any daughters, but if I did, then I would, I would say, I would say the same thing, you know, for them. But to every young woman and young girl out there, it's 2022. No man can tell a woman what to do when it comes to their body. And that's it. Yeah. So I don't even think there should be arguments or debates or this. Or that. <laughs> Women can choose what to do with their body and a man should not be able to tell you what to do with it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I totally agree. I mean, that, it's just that simple. I mean, it's that simple. A man can't tell a woman what to do with her body. That's what, that's what all three of us have said. But that's so, a huge big thing that wrong with our country then. So if yeah, we can it is, on, on the state levels and try to get yeah. people to understand, because I, I know people aren't dumb. Nobody's wife should be like, oh, my husband makes those decisions. Okay. And you might have a daughter. You have the young women, you know, like there's no way. I I heard that there's a 10-year-old girl, pray for her, that she's pregnant in Ohio. And they're they're saying she cannot have the abortion. 10 years old, Mm -hmm. which I don't know how she got pregnant that early, but it does happen sometimes. And for her not to be able to have that decision, like, look, I'm 10. 
her her daughter or son will be 10 when she's 20. And yeah. she has no opportunity to really live her life because of it. Because she got pregnant for whatever reason, she didn't even know most likely that what she was doing. Yeah. But she has no choice now in the say of what's going to happen. Her parents can't help her or nothing because we allow men in these offices to make those decisions. Unfortunately, unfortunately, yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's wrong. Women, women step up like Bianca. Make your own choices. Change these laws. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and they have been adapted. They have changed. You know, we have evolved over all of these years. Mm-hmm. Um, but the same problem still exists. Um, we had something and that something is no longer there. And we, we have to think about um, humans. We are human. Um, and we are going to make flaws and our children are going to make mistakes um, and they're not going to follow a script. You know, life is not a script and um, mm-hmm. health is not a script. And a lot of medical things that happen to women and I've had medical issues that I, that I won't discuss, but, um, you know, and you have to make choices in terms of, you know, do I remove this tumor or not? <laughs> you know, it's, it's yeah. a lot. And so yeah. I think that, um, you know, as a society, we, we have to do better. We have to do better. Yeah. And we have to keep Agreed. fighting. And we have to keep, you know, electing people um, that are going to uh, not take things away. Agreed. Well, I, I've noticed a lot of the people, a lot of the people that are anti-abortion, they're mm-hmm. pro-death penalty, which is really weird. It's, mm-hmm. it's such a contradiction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's it very is. true. It is. And I think mm-hmm. that, you know, there, you know, every person, <laughs> every person, you know, has an opinion and they yeah. have the right way to do something and they think it should be this way. Book according to so-and-so. Um, but again, as I said in the beginning, we're all flawed humans trying to make a perfect society, utopia that does not exist. Yeah. Um, and we have to live in reality and we have to be as supportive as, as possible because if we don't, the human condition is going to continue to deteriorate. All right. I hear you. Yes. And I have one last question. Okay. All right. <laughs> and I promise I'm done. I don't know about the other two. All right. So who inspired you or was your role model growing up? Yeah. That's a hard one. Wow. Um, Good question. Wow. Um, you wasn't ready for it. I was not. <laughs> <laughs> I would give you the millennials answer. Uh, uh, I was inspired by Wonder Woman. Um, I knew I could be her one day. No, <laughs> no, but I did. I had a Wonder Woman doll and everything. But anyway, hey, um, I think for me personally, um, I had a lot of um, people that inspired me. Um, it could be to, multiple people, maybe. But I will maybe. tell you, the one person that inspired me the most mm-hmm. was uh, Harriet Tubman. And when I was in the fourth grade. Okay. Uh, I had to do uh, a black history report on somebody famous in black history. And so I chose Harriet Tubman. And um, and when I read about her and all the things that she was able to do, um, it inspired me. I, I gravitated to her struggle in and as a young person, and I just thought that she was very powerful. So she she was the first one of the first ones that I've read about. Um, but in my own personal life, of course, um, my mom, um, I have, uh, you know, my maternal mother, my stepmom. Um, I've had other women that have poured into me, um, my godmothers and other women that I, you know, just happened to come alongside and just kind of support me. And um and men too as well. So I've had a lot, I've had a village of people 
um, that have just um, loved on me. And I've, I've always tried to do that um, as a person uh, to be able to give that back. And so that at some point at the end of my life, people can say, well, she loved people. She supported people. She served people. Um, so, yeah, there, there's, there's a lot of people that have, that have, have inspired me. And um, in this political race, uh, I read about um, Shirley Chisholm. I knew about her before, but I read about her on a deeper level uh, from New York, Brooklyn. But I read a lot of things about some of the things that she did early on and um, a quote that she has said that, you know, if they don't have a seat for you at the table, bring your own chair. And that, that is my, that is my, that is my mantra too. Um, just that grit. Um, yeah, yeah. She was from New York, so she had grit, but anyway, um, (laughs) just, just that, that no nonsense, you know, really thinking outside of the bubble. So if I could just even be a fraction of what she was able to do, then I would have been successful. Well, I'm sure you're inspiring young women out there and not just young women. I can't speak for Tony and Zeb, but this is inspiring just having you on and hearing you talk and, you know, very eloquent and intelligent and the things that you would be willing to do and, and want to try to do it. It's inspiring to me. Well, thank you. More home-cooked meals for you when I come. Yeah, let's see. see. He's buttering <laughs> up is what he's doing right now. <laughs> no, but even Tony and I talked recently about going back and and getting a degree in education because we want to work with young kids and and not just helping them and coaching, but actually like teaching and, and being involved in school systems. And we talked to somebody we've had on the show before and he was like, you're going to need an educational degree or we can't really let you do it, which is unfortunate, but it is what but it is right now. So you can actually start a nonprofit. And if you have a nonprofit that focuses on developing young people, uh, whether it's just you're focusing on males, then you absolutely can, and you don't need a degree for that. You have it has to be like a nonprofit, and you organize it. And if you have all layers of uh, where you help to for tutoring and and mentorship and all of those things, you absolutely can go into the schools. No, that's amazing. That's Chris, great, Chris. I mentioned that though one time. We talked about uh, nonprofit last night. Yeah. We have a nonprofit here that works with some young people in the schools and they go and they have mentors. Um, and I, it's, it's a wonderful thing. The, the problem is you don't have enough volunteers many times and you have two or three people that get kind of burnt out. And, you know, the need is greater than the people that are willing to volunteer. But you, you can you can set that up and everybody gets background checks and you go in and you work with schools, after school programs and different things like that. And I'm telling you. Um, it is needed. I don't care what state you're in. When you're when you pour into a young person, you know, the amount of things that were going to come out of this student is is limitless. It really yeah. is. Well, that's no, a big passion for all three of us is helping others yeah. give back, especially with young children and less fortunate and stuff. So that's one of the biggest passions. Like I told my employer maybe a couple of weeks ago, like if I wasn't working, he was like, what would you do if you weren't working here? I was like, I want to work with kids and sports and help and give back. Yeah. Yep. And, and there's no money in well, it, definitely. but I, I would never be in yeah. any job or occupation for the money, but you obviously still have to pay bills and have food. Yeah. But mm-hmm. you, it, but when you get to a point, um, and I think we all get there when we get a certain age that we want to pour back into society and pour back into young people and pour back into the future to help uh, when you've had to do without, when you've had to struggle and you've had to fight for everything. You know what that feels like. And you know that there are kids every day dealing with that same exact thing. Um, and, and it's not because their parents are on crack or on, on alcohol. Sometimes it's just because the parents themselves don't know how to do that for their own kids because they never receive that. And so it does take a village and it does take other people. And sometimes the most powerful people in the child's life is not their parents. It wasn't for Don't trust me. I, I coach. Like Chris said, I coach and I see it every day. Yeah. Picking kids up, taking kids to tournaments. And I, I, I can go on. 
It's basically I'm their I'm their dad, the only father figure they have. Oh yeah, that's it. A lot of them. Yeah. A coach he just is, needs to help them with their studies. A coach is more than a, a coach. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah. <laughs> Sports before grades. No, I'm just. <laughs> but no. But hey, I you're right. I mean, parents. It's bad. And sometimes go, it's I, we could have a whole pod. We could have a whole podcast on that too. And it's sometimes <laughs> it's because the parents were young when they had them, and they didn't have the guidance, and they didn't have the parent that loved them and that told them that they could be something in life, and they're doing the best that they can. You know, sometimes yeah. the, the those are the situations. That's why I say it's not always because the parents are cracked out and smoking weed or whatever. Oh, you're right. You're right. Sometimes they have parents there, and the parents don't know how to be parents because oh, they yeah. never experienced it and they may have been out on their own at a very young age having to fend for themselves and the mm-hmm. best thing that they can do is teach the kid the same way they learn you gonna have to fend for yourself and it's that whole cycle over and over again yeah and when yeah. you know and sometimes you have kids who have both parents who pour into their kids love on them do all the things that you think parents should do and that kid can still go out there and do nothing you know, yeah, so it's yeah, not foolproof yeah. that if you do all those things, it's going to happen. But the percentage of it, um, be, for them being successful, is is far greater than mm. than than those who you know they've had to learn on the fly. Yep, so true. So, guys, you have any more questions for Miss Crockham here? No, I I don't. I don't, do, Chris. How- how can we support you? How can other people support you, follow you, be a part of what you're doing? Oh, yay, because I'm getting ready to start my science. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I that's what I was about to end with, Chris. But no, you're ending the, you're ending you. the, you're ending yes. the show, Chris. So, so there we because go. because money spins the same way in New York as it does in Kentucky. Uh NBA. Um, so if I would love it for uh for anybody who's willing to donate to help purchase signs. And, and if you know anything about me, I'm very frugal. So um, they told me, oh, you're going to need X amount of dollars. I'm like, we're going to make it with this amount. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing the same thing like I would in the grocery store, comparing those costs. But there are some things you have to have for campaigns and, and signs are one of them. So you can go to my website, which is uh, www.bianca crockham.com the spell b-i-a-n-c-a-c-r-o-c-k as in kite a-m as in mary.com and you can donate um to my uh campaign and you can donate ten dollars you can donate up to two thousand <laughs> two thousand is the limit <laughs> um and um you can go to my facebook page and follow me i would love for you to see some of the things i've done you know i believe that you know actions speak louder than words so you can go in there and see some of the things that I've been doing and and what I'm proposing to do. Um, you can go to Bianca Crockham um, for State Rep on Facebook. Um, I have a fan page there, and I do have a Twitter page um, at Bianca Crockham, which is not as active because I am not a big social media person. Um, but I am trying. I am trying, um, and yeah. um, I appreciate any and all support. Um, most importantly. Um, I appreciate prayers. Just pray for me. Um, you know, I am not trying to be um, in the house for a million years. I want to go in. I want to be impactful. I want to be as effective as I can be for as long as I can be. Um, that is what my goal is, um, just to be able to serve and um, to be able to help make other people's lives a little bit better. And when uh, where much is given, much is required. And so um, I just want to give give back as much as I can. And I appreciate you guys for letting me uh, ramble well, yeah, on we, and all that. We appreciate you being on. You definitely have our support. Yeah. I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, we have your support. It, hey, it was a pleasure having you on. This was great. This was awesome. And hearing your views and everything. Thank you so awesome much. I appreciate it. Yep. Thank yep. you. Thank you. Thank you. And from one common, from one we'll commonwealth to you. another. Yeah, from one. Yeah. <laughs> right. We're we're praying right. for you, the campaign. You know your Please. your your family, your health, well being, and all that. But we appreciate you coming on. This was awesome. Like Tony said, to have you and hear your views and opinions and thoughts and stuff on so much and so many questions. I didn't know we would ask all of those questions, but 
it was definitely awesome. You didn't shy away from any of them. Yeah, yeah, that too. I, yeah, appreciate you answering the questions and yeah, not ducking them. That, well, that I, awesome. I tried to because I because I was like, well. I can't, I can't, I can't go here. You know, you can't be flies when you're dealing with New Yorkers and some other people. You gotta, yeah, yeah. you can't sugarcoat it. She's like, I don't know how these VA cats are gonna come. Right. (laughs) But I don't know, you know, when you don't have an agenda and you know you're you're being real and being authentic and you're being your real you, um, I think Mm -hmm. that it shines through, you know. People can People can see through the bull. I mean, they can. And so I do appreciate all of you and, and bless your both of all of you, all your families. And I hope that your 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 podcast continue to do well. Um, and I'm I'm happy for you all that you you have a platform where, where you know, people like me can reach a wider audience. And I, I appreciate that. Yes. Yeah, everybody. You. If you're in Kentucky. Definitely vote, get out, vote and support and help help Bianca. And if uh-huh. you're anywhere else listening, get on there and donate. Do whatever you can to help and support. Yes, yes. Just do that. And again, we can't thank you enough. It was a pleasure. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, Bianca. And so the yes. next time we get together, we will do parent, parenting. <laughs> parent, oh, have, have the whole family on. Everybody oh, yeah. We'll, we'll do that whole thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That'll be interesting. Hmm. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Crack them on, Mr. Big Smooth. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, Guys, <laughs> yeah. yeah thank, thank, all thank right, you. Thank you. All right. Good day. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. All right. Take care. Brothers with opinions, big voice, no silence, revolution televised, ain't no good in private, not knowledge to the ignorant, ain't never been bliss, stand up and be heard, we the new activists, yeah, brothers with opinion, let the convo begin, you know communication key, but then you must comprehend, preach, BWO, let your voices be heard, we enlightened by the truth and now we spreading the word, how do we learn to live when we condition to die? Most people fail before they start because they don't ever try. Man, they told us we was worthless. We believed in the lie. We took it way too literal when big said ready to die. You know the KKK turned the cops in disguise. Man, a lot done changed, but race still applies. Five old hands up, don't even ask why. Trayvon, Mike Brown, man, another mother's cry. Hey, be-